0: Listening to the B two B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three,
1: two, one. Welcome everyone to the B two B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about the importance of sales analytics across the entire organization. With the continued focus on big data, there are opportunities for companies to leverage their analytics to drive different approaches and business return. We want to dive into that today. And to help us with that, we have John Kondo, CEO of OpsPanda. John, thank you for taking time to be on the show today.
0: Chad, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here.
1: Excellent. So we always ask off the wall question out of the the gate. If you think about back over your life or your career, is there one, you know, defining moment or story that you go back to some lesson that you've learned uh, that's kind of helped shape your perspective on things? What would that event be and what was that story and why was it so important?
0: You know, Chad, I think uh, when I think back, I I go all the way back to probably, I think, sixth grade and I was a uh, Boy Scout and. Our fundraiser to raise money to go to camp that summer was to do a car wash, and so all of us, I think, took 20 tickets and had to go to our neighborhoods and sell them uh, for a dollar. And I'm probably dating myself by the price, but um, but you know, I went out dutifully in my neighborhood and, and knocked on doors and came back with I think 19 tickets and one sale, and, and pretty dejected. And my parents were having friends over, and, and uh, and he was a professional sales guy and I mean if you think about the old time journeying in sales folks, he, he was a professional salesman and I thought, here we go, easy Mark, they're, they're over for, for dinner with my parents. I went up to him, and I said, hey, would you like to buy a car wash ticket? And he said, stop right there. He goes, you're not selling car wash tickets. He goes, try this approach. And he, he said, ask, he said, tell people that you're, you're raising money to support the local Boy Scout troop to be able to go to camp, and would they like to help support that effort for a bunch of local kids to go to camp, and by the way, they get a car wash along along with that. And he goes, and he had me practice it two or three times. I did it, and, um, and I think he bought a ticket, but then <laughs> more importantly, I went back out. I went back out into the other part of the neighborhood, and sold all my tickets and, and I learned about that was you know you're not selling you have to understand really what the value of what you're selling and the value was is that people want to help support a local troop they didn't really care so much about getting their car washed what they cared about was hey can I help support a, a local organization and, and I think that holds true throughout my entire sales career you know when I was running the BI team at, at Hyperion we learned that you know that was a very technical tool. You you could sell on bits and bytes and and inputs and outputs all day, but what you really had to understand is what people wanted to do with the application that they were going to build and what value that brought. So, to me, um, it's always about understanding. You know the mindset of the customer, and and I, and I attribute that all the way back to uh, those car wash tickets.
1: <laughs> and it's something that many people still struggle with today. So it's excellent for our audience to to hear that. So let's talk a little bit about um, Ops Panda. You know what is it, and and what's your role there?
0: So um, Ops Panda, we uh, are about a three year old company. We are based on a, a sales analytics and planning uh, application. And what we do is we help sales leaders, finance leaders, and sales operations better plan and analyze their sales force. So when you think about uh, an organization today, you've got big, large sales organizations with lots of moving parts. And you need to understand what each of those parts contribute to your overall sales plan and what we call true sales capacity. And so, you know, what are your enterprise reps? What are your commercial reps? Your inside? However you might think about those sales reps. How do they how do they contribute? Are they new? Are they tenured? Um, where are they in seasonality? And there's a lot of different factors. And we've built an application that helps you calculate all of that.
1: And so I have to ask: Is there a story behind the name, Ops Panda?
0: So there is uh, actually. If you uh, the technical story is if you break down the letters, it's operations planning and analysis. So P M.
1: <laughs> okay. Um,
0: I have a, my youngest daughter, her nickname is Panda, so she claims to her sisters that <laughs> she's named after her. But, uh-huh. But it's really operations planning and analysis.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. And so uh, when we look at analytics, right, analytics is a big deal. Everybody's always trying to figure out how they're going to get the return on their sales investment, especially, you know, the human being investment side of it. How are you seeing companies using analytics today to determine or influence kind of their best selling model?
0: So I think what people today un- fundamentally understand that, you know, sales is an investment, right? But I think that um, up until today, it has been really difficult to understand how, what the true return on that investment is. If you think about all the advances that have been made in manufacturing or even in marketing or other parts of the organization in manufacturing, people know exactly if I invest in a new new manufacturing line or a new machine, how much output they're going to get. the The same can't be said for sales today because it's hard to understand. If I if I invest in a new salesperson, they have an expectation of what they want to get out of that person, but they don't necessarily know um, when they'll when they'll get those and and with any true um, reliable pr- predictability. And so we're trying to bring that predictability. We're trying to bring that level of uh, analytic rigor to a sales organization and. We see that today in in organizations, some people are more sophisticated to understand that a little better. Fast-growing companies um, are are adding people. It's harder to to do that analysis. We allow you to bring in you know your past analytics so we can give you history of what's actually happened. And then more importantly, as your plan goes on, um, you can validate it: were my assumptions correct, do I need to make course adjustments? And I think that's really. Um, The key thing is being able to make course adjustments. We all work, live, and and sell. No matter what industry you're in today, we sell in a very fluid environment, right? So competitors change, market dynamics change, all these things change, and so you need to be able to quickly understand what's happening and and do I need to make a course adjustment? Should I increase hiring because there's a great opportunity or should I delay hiring a little bit because maybe a product's a little bit slower to come to market? Those types of analytics are, are super important, and, and we're helping companies um, embrace those and, and adjust their uh, adjust their sales investments.
1: And have you seen, I mean, sales reps, um, you know, I, I think we're seeing a shift in some of the ways that sales reps are out, out there today, but I know in my career, there was always those sales reps that were worried if too much analysis was done on their individual performance. <laughs> <laughs> that perhaps they, uh, you know, they may not be uh, as high ranking as they wanted to be. I'm curious. Have you seen any pushback uh, when you're dealing with clients uh, around how you balance that, you know, big data analytics versus the human element of sales?
0: I mean, I think that there is still, and I grew up in that environment, right? I grew up in the the the. I think the old environment was sales would say to the rest of the company, give me my number. I'll tell you what my resources I need. And if I don't make my number, then you can come, you know, do whatever you want to do to me. But if I make my number, then don't ask me about how I did it. And I think what's changed is that in today's world, especially in so many different revenue models that occur today, if a sales team doesn't make their number, the implications aren't just for that quarter. The implications have a long tail, right? If you don't make your bookings, you may not have your billables for a year because you have deliverables or you have a subscription revenue or whatever type of revenue stream. And so people are wanting more visibility into what's going on. And I think the better conversation to flip is, I think sales organizations are saying, look, I now can explain why I need to make investments earlier or now or whenever it might be so that I can be well ahead of the curve six months from now, a year from now. And so they're they're turning it and saying, look, this is good for the organization. I think the other thing too, from a rep perspective, is yes, they're you know, reps reps if they're if they're on top of the heap, they always love having the reports, they love having <laughs> the top formal things come out. If you're in the middle or the bottom, you don't like them so much. But I think more importantly, what reps appreciate about data today is you could have a really a real conversation. You could have a, a manager can sit down with a rep and say, hey, let, let's look at all your opportunities. Let's look at what's happening within your organization. And by the way, you know, this is why we want to shift your territory. This is why your quota is justified because you have this opportunity. And now it's not just, hey, we're raising your quota because we said we're raising your quota. It's hey, we're raising your quota because you now have this much of an opportunity and it justifies it. Or vice versa, is yeah, we do need to lower your quota because the opportunity is shrunk and we understand that and we can see it, it provides more visibility into what's really going on and allows sales to have a more active conversation with other constituencies within the company and within manager direct relationships as well.
1: And so there's the there's the big data part. There's the collection of the data, right? We always used to say, and hey, maybe I'm dating myself here, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So there's that that collecting of the data, but there's also an interpretation layer, right? Somebody has to interpret the data and, and reattach it to what they're doing. Have you ever seen uh, an instance where poor interpretation of the data has led to, you know, unexpected outcomes?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that what you, what you see sometimes today is, you know, if people, sometimes people, it's poor interpretation of the data. Sometimes they also don't look at the complete picture of the data. I think if you look at still today, a majority of sales organizations and sales leadership, rightfully so, because they're, they're expected to deliver quarterly results, especially if you're publicly traded these days, you have to deliver quarter in, quarter out. So a lot of sales leadership is looking at current quarter pipeline, current quarter opportunities and they're looking at leads and opportunities. Maybe they're looking at Q plus one, you know, especially as you get through midway quarter, you might start looking to the next quarter. But they're never really the time horizon isn't much beyond that. What we would say is that you really need to be thinking about looking beyond that and looking about, all right, what investments do I make? Because if it takes you you know, takes six months or nine months to ramp a rep, I could hire them tomorrow. And they won't have any effect until two or three quarters from now. And that's important to know. And so I think the, the bad things that happens when they ignore those, that longer term horizon. And it's even not even that long when you think about it. It's three quarters a year out kind of thing. That's not a super long horizon. But if you ignore those things, the bad things that can happen is, you know, people will start saying, geez, what happened? Our Our, our revenue fell or it flattened. And then you know the first reaction is, is oh we need to expand our target base and so they might go, start chasing bad leads or bad opportunities because they're trying to expand their, their market um, you'll see you know unfortunately you'll see leadership changes you'll see sales heads of sales uh, changes in, in in heads of sales because you know the the expectation of growth didn't didn't come true and, and had that person able to say, look, I can tell you that we're going to hit a flat spot because, you know, we have to invest or to do that. And then, by the way, once we hit the flat spot, we'll be investing through that and then we'll, we'll return to our, our growth curve. Um, and the worst thing that I think I've seen happen is people question the sales investment. And, and you know, if you hit a flat spot in sales, sometimes uh, the natural reaction is just, Okay, let's let's freeze everything. Let's circle the wagon. <laughs> we're, in, we're in reality, it might be you know it might be saying, hey, we really need to go hire some people because if we want to avoid extending this flat spot or we want to avoid hitting this again next year, we need to be putting in a team in place that's going to be ready and productive, you know, in three three four quarters from now. And so you know, there are some bad implications that happen. Um, and it's it's not so much that it's bad interpretation of data. It's probably the uh, the the horizon on which they look at the data is probably more what I would say is has caused some of the challenges.
1: And so that's that's organizationally. Let's talk a little bit more about the sales execs themselves, right? We're seeing seeing a shift in kind of the, from the old school kind of B two B selling to I don't I hate to use the word, but more millennial digital influence types of of sales reps. I'm curious. When when sales execs have the opportunity to have this data, uh, what's the largest hurdle you're seeing at the individual level for them to actually leverage it to improve their performance?
0: I think it is, it is weighing between, you know, the needs of a quarterly, delivering a quarterly forecast to building a strategic uh, plan. And what you see, See in some of the successful, super successful companies, um, you see a sales leader who said, you know, pipeline and, and opportunities is critically important. And I would absolutely agree with that, right? There's, you know, I worry about our pipeline and our opportunities all, every day, all the time. But there are also great sales leaders who are talking about, well, geez, I need to be thinking about what's it gonna be six months from now, nine months from now, 12 months from now, 18 months from now, how am I gonna invest in growth? And I think we're, we're hoping, you know, where we're seeing some changes, some of the new sales leadership that's coming in understands that if I can, if the data is there and I can look at trends, I can predict out and, and, and model out what the future looks like, then I can be better off. And then I can also go have a conversation with finance or, or you know, my CEO or our board about, investing now to have return in the future. And I think that's where hopefully that we'll we'll see the shift go. Um, you know, it's not to say taking away from you got to go out and get deals closed, you got to go and do those things, but you also have to be allotting um, a portion of time to be thinking about future investment.
1: And so, it, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like with the right analytics, you can take some of that um, lack of predictability out of the sales equation, right? Historically, it's been a little challenging, at least it, in my experience. I've seen organizations struggle with, you know, what is the sales team really going to produce, um, you know, quarter over quarter? And so, what are you seeing companies do to, you know, use the analytics to manage their sales teams and turn them into more of a predictable resource?
0: You know, I think that all, all businesses, you know, we would all love to have a perfectly perfectly linear business, right? We all <laughs> love to have, uh, you know, I, I've spent my entire career looking for that business where I could just have a perfectly linear and, and know what's gonna happen. And we don't, but what you do, when you, what, what the data shows is that if you aggregate a bunch of data and you have a large enough organization, you can actually start to say, all right, hey, at what what units of time or what units can I use some predictability? On some companies, you know, quite honestly, if it's a super lumpy business, you might have to look at a reps production according to annually. More often than not, quarterly is probably about the right. You can say, look, we, we predict that productivity across this cohort of reps. So let's say commercial reps in North America should be about this on a quarterly basis. And and the averages will work out. And you could say, I may not know exactly who's going to do it, but I can count on that we will get this production out of that that group of reps. And so you can start to have predictability. And what we talk about is, you know, we call the notion of what we call true sales capacity. Is what is my predictable sales capacity quarter in, quarter out across all my different, you know, cohorts of reps, whether it be enterprise commercial and inside whether it be you know services and license whether it be, however you want to break that up but you can you can the analytics will, will allow you to start to correlate um, a capacity for that and then you can bring those together to give you some, some predictability.
1: Well, I'd also have to think that that type of data and that type of insight would facilitate conversations outside of sales. So finally, maybe have a conversation that breaks down that silo. You know, coming up, it was always sales versus marketing, marketing versus sales, right? And I would think with this type of data, much like you're seeing on the marketing side with with their use of data, it facilitates a more uh, complete organizational conversation. Is that a fair assumption?
0: Absolutely, right? I mean, I think, you know, you'll never get, uh, you know, sales and marketing is, is, you know, you may never get a Yankees fan to love the Red Sox and you, you may never get, you know, sales to love marketing or vice versa. But I think what this does is it opens up and it, it, it brings a, a a conversation to a common ground, right? It says, look, if we want uh, to expand, we we need to provide, sales growth next year. And to do that, we're going to need to add, you know, 50 salespeople into an organization of 200. Um, So then I can go to marketing and say, Hey, we need to support these 50 people. Here's what I'm going to need to support them. We're going to need a pipeline of X um, per rep. We're going to need that. Here's the and And then marketing can say, okay, that makes sense. And now you look at the marketing analytics too. And, and, marketing analytics has come so far that they can say okay i can look at it and say if i need to create this much pipeline this is how much lead gen activity i need to do this is how much investment in marketing i can do it and it becomes one one model that is synced all the way across and and even downstream you can look at it from a services perspective and say hey if we if we sell this much we're going to have this many new customers that need to be supported by professional services if that's your model and and what it does is it allows those conversations to happen cross, you know, cross function. And then also it allows that other function that sits across all of them, finance, to have great visibility in and be able to see and then tie that back to their overall corporate financial plan.
1: Okay. And so, and then if we go back into, you know, sales, let's go back to sales enablement. Yes. I'm going to, sorry, listeners, I'm going to do a selfless plug here, but uh, I'm, I'm a value selling fan. So how would tools like these analytics help uh, measure the impact of sales training, like value
0: selling? Great question. And I'm a value selling fan as well, but you know, one of the things that when I used to roll out sales training and I rolled out value selling multiple times, is we would say how do we measure how do we measure the effectiveness right how do we get a return on investment our application is purpose-built for that right I mean it's purpose built for a lot of things but absolutely we could say hey we can give you the analysis that says when you bring on a new rep in in your current environment it takes nine months to get productive and that's what you need to plan for I'd like to if I could reduce ramp time of a new rep from nine months to six months I gain a quarter of productivity right and that has real value to it well let's go and put in value selling and now I can measure that after and I can measure the, the the new reps that have been brought on that have been through value selling are they now ramping in a shorter period than nine months They're ramping in six months well then that that automatically pays for that training ten times over um, so you can measure measure that and also to Or productivity you could say hey you know across our tenure reps you know our productivity there's lots of different studies that show what percentage of reps make quota and things like that it averages anywhere you see numbers from 60 to 75 percent but geez if i can raise that from by three points across an organization of 300 reps right what does that provide and by the way we're going to institute you know a sales enablement methodology like value selling, and I can measure that and 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 have measurable results. And so that's where I think um, it 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 closes the loop finally on you know the sales enablement side.
1: Yeah, and that's always I mean that's always been the big challenge, right? I mean having having done this, and I'm sure you've seen it too. We we know the reps that embrace the methodology, and yes, I am. I'm plugging value selling, but something's better than nothing. So whatever you got out there, guys, it's okay. Um, but but if they look at that, the reps that adhered to it, that used it, uh, were always more successful than those that kind of fell back into their old habits. And now it sounds like with you know the right application of the analytics, you can actually do the feedback loop to the business. Like, all right, we did this investment in sales enablement. Here are the numbers before. Here are the numbers after. It's no longer a guessing game, right? We're we're really right, and- going
0: to show you. Yeah, and absolutely. And we could take it down to the rep level, right? So you could go through, and a manager could go through and say, oh, I think rep A really embraced it, rep B, not so much, rep C really embraced it, you know, and you could compare, we provide the analytics so they could compare the productivity of those, you know, and and then you could have some proof to go back to, to rep B and say, hey, look, this stuff works. Let me show you your your peers they're all doing slightly better than you because they really embrace it. And, and it becomes a, um, you know, going back to your earlier question, reps, you know, like reporting sometimes and sometimes they don't. <laughs> and, and, but this is just a, it's a great management tool that says, look, I'm not, we're not asking you to do this because it was the training du jour, right? We're asking you to do it because it, it's effective, right? We can, we have measurable proof here that it's effective. If you want to increase the size of your commission checks, which is ultimate goal for most reps, um, as well as career advancement and stuff, then you'll then let me show you what, how, how to embrace this and how this works. And, and I think that's where, um, you know, you can have some really meaningful conversations, and I think it's really beneficial.
1: All right. So let's pivot here a little bit and talk about Ops Panda. As you're leading the organization over there, what is your guys' current st- uh, business issue, your top strategic objective that you guys are trying to achieve?
0: Well, I mean, given our stage of company, we are still a, a very young company with a very small sales force. And, um, so we are out evangelizing our message, right And I think part of this is is there has never been a application like ours in the market before. Most people do these concepts in uh, in spreadsheets. I, I often tell the story of if you think about the leads and opportunities side, um, you know, forecast and pipeline. literally billions of dollars have been spent on CRM and marketing automation. And yet people, and I've talked to every size organization from very small but to the largest of sales organizations, and they manage their sales force on a hundred dollar desktop tool. <laughs> um, you know and and so part of what our challenge is is to say, hey, there is a better way, and, and there is an application now out there that can do that. And, and so that's we're in a little bit of a market creation sell, sales right now and, and market awareness, which is fun. Um, because when people get it, you know, we've got some great, great customers and they get it and they embrace it and they're like, this really is making a difference in, in our lives. And, and it's sometimes it's as small as, um, you know, I don't work on the weekends now, you know, or, <laughs> but oftentimes what it is is, Hey, we really found a, a, a real gap in our capacity, or we found this, or you know, we needed to make adjustments and allowed us to, to do a course correction quick more quickly. I was in with a customer the other day, and I saw uh, you know it was amazing. Um, I saw a report. We did an on the fly kind of report, and it took us about five minutes to get the answer. And the person you know who was viewing it, she said that would normally take us twenty four to forty eight hours uh, to get. And she said, this is going to change our, you know, the way we do business. And so, um, so that's really fun. And that's, we're in a really fun stage of that. And, and every, every step forward is, is a win. And, um, you know, and, and we, we have some fun with it, but it's, it's challenging. It's, you know, you still go out and you still have to understand what customers pains are, what their needs are and things along those lines. And then, you know, we still go through all the basic selling steps.
1: And so you've got a growing sales team. Are you guys using the OpsPanda tools internally yourselves?
0: I do. I use it. Uh, I've done our, you know, I use it all the time. I, I've done our, our five year growth plan on it. Um, so I use it to, you know, I guess I hate the, you know, the expression of eat your own dog food's not a, <laughs> most, a real elegant one. I, I had an old boss that said, you know, we drink our own champagne. I guess that sounds a little better. <laughs> but, you know, I'm a big believer in that, um, in that we, we use our own application. So um, we do. And,
1: and the reps, how are the, the reps on the team? i would assume when you're hiring and building the team, they haven't seen a tool like this before. So how are they finding working with this type of analytics, you know, really built into the DNA of what they're doing? I mean, they're trying to sell it, but they're also using it. How have the reps responded?
0: They've responded really well. I mean, I think that our, our reps are kind of early evangelists, you know, the, our, our reps really get it. And so they embrace it. One of uh, our newest reps, um, she was actually a customer, uh, and so she really got it and and was passionate about it. And so, um, you know, I think that it, it's it's a the whole company, whether it be from developer to sales to marketing, we all are very very passionate. We absolutely believe in what we're doing because we really do think this is a fundamental change in the way people will do business, um, and we we can prove and we can see with the customers that we, we've been fortunate enough to work with, that it makes a, it, it makes a tangible difference in their business. And so it's one of those where, you know, I always, in selling stuff, I always wanted to sell stuff that I would be happy, selling, you know, standing on a soapbox talking about, and, and this is one that I clearly feel that way. It's, you know, uh, we really feel like we're, and the reps have embraced that, and they, they share it and they share it in, in the way we measure the business um, you know so we we are on a shared mission
1: Well, and the passion's critical, right? I mean, the buyer will feel that, especially these days. you got to have somebody who believes that what they're doing isn't just cool, but it is going to make a difference, right? It is going to provide that positive impact. So I'm glad to hear that that's that's part of what you guys are doing. So towards the end of each interview, I ask kind of two standard questions. The first one is, uh, as a revenue executive, uh, as a CEO, that makes you, uh, in the politically correct terms, a prospect uh, in sales, language, it's a target, (laughs) And so I would love it if you would help our audience understand if somebody's trying to get in front of you, somebody you don't know, uh, who wants to capture your attention, establish credibility, uh, believe they have a solution for you, what works best to capture your attention and make
0: that first meeting happen? You know, that's a good question, because I get solicited all the time, and I think You know, I I will admit to today's sales reps, I think it's harder than it it has ever been to get the attention of buyers because there is so much there's so much noise out there. Right. There is all the social channels, there's email blasts, there's, you know, and and hardly anybody picks up the phone anymore. Right. And (laughs) and answers it. Um, So I think it's hard, but I think what you know, part of it is is if you provide me something that's of interest to me content wise you'll get my attention meaning if if you can slightly understand what my business is or slightly understand um what i might be going through and provide me and it can be something as small as a you know literally a quote or, or something that that says you know hey did you, did you know 10% of businesses that do this you know, or, uh, you know I can't think of a good example off the top of my head but you know that, that provides me that I'll read the next sentence right And I'll go down and I'll, and I'll continue to look and and, um, and I just had an experience with a sales rep and and he he kept after me but he, every time he contacted me he had a little bit of, of content and, and to the point where then I called him back and said hey you've earned you know, you've earned the conversation, so let's have the conversation, and, and his application looks pretty interesting. So, you know, I think it, it's it's that. I know it's hard. Um, I think it's hard to get people to to do that. I send out, you know, I, I, I call on prospects, and um, I, I share the frustration, and so I always try and, um, you know, read what people send me, and, and I, I do try and Get that, but I, I, there are some that you know. They clearly, I'm just one of a number. Um, <laughs> they've sent it to me, and, and you know, they're hoping it's a you know a little bit of a spray and pray. That's not going to work, and I don't think that works in today's um, today's environment because there's just so much noise out in the channel right now. Um, I also think social is a you know like things like LinkedIn articles and and um, are interesting because uh, you know again if you if you hit get to me with with good content then um you know it, it piques my interest excellent
1: and so the last question we ask we call it our acceleration insight there's one thing you could tell sales people that you you believe would make them once they hear it better instantly tomorrow one piece of advice that you would give them what would it be and why
0: uh, the, the one piece of advice i always give salespeople. um is be curious be intellectually curious and, and what I mean by that is actually be interested in what your customers or your prospects are doing for a business you know I think it's don't just view them as a prospect or as a buyer view them as an interesting company you'd like to learn about or an interesting organization or, or whatever it might be and be curious about their business because if you're curious that will come through in all your communications that will come through in your sales presentations um, I'll give a quick example I you know back in the old days of uh, before Kinko's was bought by FedEx I was down I, I made a, a call down there with a with a sales rep and and you know we went and called and it was uh, the senior member of the on the finance team and we were selling him financial planning and uh, We're going through the meeting and such, and I'm literally on the way down. I've been reading about uh, Xerox going out of business, right? And that was back when Xerox was kind of in in jeopardy of going out of business. And I said to to him, I said, so, you know, are you guys worried at all about Xerox? And he goes, oh my God. He goes, that's what I'm spending 100% of my time in. He goes, we are are Xerox's largest customer (laughs) outside of of the federal government. And if they go out of business, we don't know what we will do because you know, we have literally thousands and thousands of machines and parts and all this kind of stuff. And we talked probably for 20, 30 minutes about it. It was just interesting. It had nothing to do with our deal, but it was just I was curious. I was it was fascinating to me. And um, and we walked out, and the and my rep said, he goes, Wow, how did you know to ask that? And I said, I was just curious about it, right? <laughs> I read about it. I was just curious. And, and about two months later the the deal was coming to fruition we got held up and and i needed to make a call on him and ask him to to help push the deal through And and because i've had that relationship we were able to get the deal done and i think you know i don't want to i'm not trying to pat myself on the back because i've seen so many examples of great reps doing it it's not just me but i always tell people that uh you know being curious is your most important asset actually be interested and if you're not Um, if you're not selling something to people who you could be interested in what they do then maybe it's time to find something else because it's you know that that comes through in your conversations
1: yeah the cur- I, I agree with you one hundred percent curiosity, especially today, you know curiosity is I, I see reps who are curious who engage in customers out of out of their own genuine sense of of awe right essentially that's what we're talking about um, that's where you see that connection happen right it, it makes it less of a "Hey I got this widget, do you want to buy it right and it becomes more of a human connection, and I think curiosity yep. plays a huge role in that.
0: You know, and I think we need to not forget that even with all the technology and all the changes and things like that, selling is still a personal thing. And, you know, we there's a lot of different mediums in which we do it. Um, but people still buy from people they like. And uh, I don't think that's changed. Um, and I think that's an important thing to remember. And, and people genuinely like people who are interested in them. And I think that's where that curiosity comes through. Perfect, perfect.
1: Don, if a listener's interested in talking more about what we touched on today, what's the best way to get in contact with you?
0: So, uh, people can feel free to email me directly. <laughs> um, I'll be careful how to open it, but it's, it's Condo <laughs> at opspanda.com. Um, but also, too, our website is uh, opspanda.com and, and there's more information there. But, uh, you know, welcome, welcome any interactions.
1: Excellent. John, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It's been great having you on the show.
0: Well, Chad, thanks so much. This is uh, great. I always love talking about uh, sales. It's uh, It's been my entire career, and and I'm passionate about it. and uh, always appreciate it, and uh, also, too, I am a big fan of the value-selling uh, methodology, and, and you guys are so uh, happy to do it. Uh, I appreciate that.
1: All right, everyone, that does it for this episode. Please check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episode out there, friends, families, coworkers. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes. We do look at those to determine types of guests to bring on so you guys will keep listening and are getting value out of it. And until next time, we have Value Prime Solutions wish you all nothing but the greatest success.
0: You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience,